Hello everyone and welcome to Historically Haunted. Thank you all so much for joining me for today's episode. Today is not a new episode. This is a bonus episode that I would normally post for my Patreons. I made this fun extra Halloween special way back in 2020 and it's about the creepy story of the Hinsdale house. My Patreon format is different than my normal larger episodes and this one was made when I was using my older microphone and I was still new to podcasting so it's a little outdated but I still feel like it's an interesting topic. I have been working hard on our three Halloween episodes that will come out in October, and I'm working on a fun bonus episode for my Patreons. This year's Patreon Halloween special is going to be about the Hellfire Club. If anyone is interested in becoming a Patreon, you can check out my link in the show notes down below. For just a dollar a month, you can get access to bonus episodes that I make when I have extra time, photos of historical places I talk about in the episodes that I discuss, and you will get a thank you card with the logo sticker in the mail after your first monthly payment. With the money that I receive from my Patreons, it helps me pay for my podcast hosting fee, all the music and sound effects that you hear on the show, and I'm getting a new logo and cover art made. I had to save up a ton of money to do that, but I'm finally able to pay my artists to be able to make us a brand new cover art for the show, and I also was able to pay the artist to create my new uh, music intro that you guys are now hearing with the show. So that's the kind of stuff that the Patreon money goes toward. And I appreciate even just a dollar. I sadly, with my dyslexia and I work so hard on the side, I don't have time to just do podcasting for a living right now. So I don't have time to make all the bonus episodes that I wish I could. So I do appreciate it even when somebody just gives me one buck and then they bounce after a month. I'm totally fine with that. Anything I get, I so appreciate. And thank you all so much for your support. Just a quick reminder that in the month of October, I send out an annual Halloween thank you card to all of my active paying Patreons. So if you would like to receive a Halloween thank you card in the month of October, please make sure that you sign up for my Patreon page before September 29th. I am making custom thank you cards this year and I need time to be able to order them. So I don't want anyone to miss out if you would like one. So again, September 29th is the deadline for these cards and they are only sent to my active paying Patreon members. Again, link in the description down below if you'd like to sign up. Okay, so before we start, um, this is a paranormal podcast, but this is also a historical podcast. And sometimes I do like to talk about current events that will change our history books. Something of major historical significance happened a few days ago that had me glued to the TV 24-7 pretty much to watch the news coverage of. And I am talking about the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I know that not everybody feels the same way about uh, Queen Elizabeth II, her family, or the royal monarchy in general. However, her death means that we are now in a new chapter in our history. So no longer are we in the second Elizabethan period, and it is hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that we are truly moving on into a new era, and I find it kind of a little scary, but also a little exciting. No matter what you think of the royal family and all of their monarchy and the way they do things and they did things, they're still human beings and humans make mistakes and not all of them are good and not all of them are bad and sometimes some humans just suck, like they're awful. But losing a family member is hard and I hope that they can find some peace knowing that their mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother is loved by many people. The images we have all been seeing will forever be in our history books and people are lining up in a queue that stretches over five miles long to say goodbye to Queen Elizabeth II. Many historical firsts are happening during these large pompous ceremonies, and whether you care or not, it's still a big moment in history. 
I get that this is a touchy subject and I'm not trying to get political in any way. I just wanted to say that um, I do have some compassion when I see another human mourning the loss of someone that they loved. It's hard for me to say goodbye to my family members. I know that. So just from a human to human standpoint, I do feel bad for the fact that they do have to say goodbye to a mother and a grandma and a great grandma, that kind of thing. And especially in the very public and open way that they have to do this because they're not grieving like a normal person. They have to grieve like royals. And that is completely different than we will ever experience. And, uh, you know, they're, they're still family and humans. And, and no matter the family drama or bad history that they have, um, I just wanted to say condolences to the people of the UK who are grieving at this moment and to the royal family. I also know nothing about the United Kingdom's newest prime minister. Uh, all I know is she got the job and two days later the queen died. So talk about a really like weird, hard few couple of weeks for her. Um, I don't know anything about her. I don't know her politics. She might not be the best person ever. But um, I just know that just thinking about if you just got a new job and the queen dies on like your second or third day in office, that would be intimidating to have to try to keep everything going while all this is going on with all the pomp and circumstance. And, you know, we're also like hitting recession times. So it's just a really interesting time in history. I'm not trying to get negative. I'm just saying it's just the history right now in overall is weird. It's been weird ever since the pandemic started. So it's just an interesting time, you know, and we're all just witnessing it. And uh, I just keep thinking that's going to get added in the history books and that's going to get added in the history books. So anyway, it's just a weird time. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say. So uh, now that I've said all of that, um, let's get this episode started. And reminder, this is an older episode. So we're going to start playing this right now. The Hinsdale House is a mid-1800s white farmhouse sitting in the middle of nowhere up in the hills of Hinsdale, New York. This house and the property around it is said to have been cursed by Indians forced off their land. Many tragic deaths have happened on the property along with over 100 years of documented frightening paranormal activity. Saved from being demolished in 2015 by a paranormal investigator, it now sits as a beacon for paranormal research. Join me tonight as we talk about this notoriously haunted farmhouse. all you amazing Patreons. Happy Halloween. I am so glad that I was able to make this extra Halloween episode for you guys. I hope that whatever you guys are doing for Halloween this year that you guys have fun and of course stay safe. I am doing a movie night with just my family. Sadly, I'm not doing any trick-or-treating this year. I used to hand out candy all the time, but this year we're just going to skip that. But we're going to have pizza and a bunch of junk food and Halloween-themed treats, so I think that's going to be fun. All right, guys, let's get into this episode because we have a lot to talk about. This is a crazy one, and I wanted to pre-warn people that this is a haunted location that also has a lot of disturbing things that I will be talking about that might just not be suited for all audiences, I guess is the best way for me to say that. Uh, but I have to say some of them to understand the story. So I talk about the possibility of demonic energy and many people have been killed violently on this property. So if that's not your thing, you might want to think about skipping this episode. But if you're still with me, then let's jump into it. 
Hinsdale, New York was first founded by Native Americans in the late 18th century, and it was later a part of the Iroquois tribe. Now, I believe it's the Iroquois, and I'm just going to say right now that I ran into a bunch of different names. So I'm pretty sure that the Iroquois were a group of different tribes that together made up the Iroquois Confederacy, but I'm not sure if that's even true. And I had a lot of a uh, hard time finding out exactly this area. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that this area is very weird. And I will get to that in a little bit. Or if maybe just some of the history is a little just missing from the books. So if anyone knows about this area and I'm completely wrong, I'm really sorry, but I tried to do my research. I dug really far and that's just what I could come up with. By the 19th century, a settler named Zachariah Noble founded the area and formed the town of Olean. After the Revolutionary War, the newly founded United States of America forced the Indians off their land to expand their own territory outwards. In the mid-1800s, the Iroquois were able to still hold on to a small area of Hinsdale. When they refused to leave, the U.S. government came in and murdered the remaining tribes who refused to leave when ordered to do so. This left the whole area that the Hinsdale House is now on today to become a massive burial ground. Today, it is not uncommon to find Indian artifacts in the woods, but it is also not just the artifacts that you will find here, and that is because of a curse. According to local legend, after the army came in to kill and chase off the remaining Indians, the Iroquois people put a curse on the land. The curse was said to keep all spirits from passing on, forever trapping them to walk the land endlessly, searching for a way home and wreaking havoc on the living. This in turn would make the land hard to live on for it would be forever haunted. After the territory was completely taken over by the United States of America, more white settlers came to the area in search for land and to stake their claims. What is now called the Hinsdale House was built around 1853, and the original property consisted of 108 acres. The house still stands today. It is a two-story white farmhouse that is extremely isolated. When the house was first built, it had a barn and a way station on the property, and two brothers owned the home, using it as a stagecoach stop. But this was the kind of stagecoach stop that didn't always have its guests checking out the next morning. It turns out that the two brothers would rob the stagecoach and then kill the travelers, hiding their bodies underneath the house in the cold space. I could not find out if this story about the brothers was true or not. I looked it up and I could not find a definitive yes or no answer. So I just could not find out if this is all made up in one of those creepy urban legends. But it does make for a cool urban legend to have nonetheless. There is another urban legend that goes with the property. And it says that a woman was hung for committing adultery because she got pregnant before her boyfriend could buy her a ring. He was sent off to war, and as her belly began to show, the townsfolk decided to hang her for committing adultery. They hung her from a tree located on the property, and it is said that they buried her near the tree. When the woman's boyfriend came home from war, he could not find her, and the village people finally told him what happened to his beloved. The tree was hit by lightning in 2003, and it fell into a ditch. Today, it is considered bad luck to take a piece of the tree home with you. This is another one of those urban legends, I think, but it's the one that people point to for the reason that a woman in a white long gown with long hair has been seen all over the property and inside the house. Now, those last two were probably just urban legends. However, there are many other documented strange deaths that have occurred on this property. And of course, it is documented that the area was used as a massive grave. So, 
The property around the Hinsdale house had always been strange. People who lived in the area have claimed to hear chanting and drumming from the woods, seeing Indians walking among the trees, and shadow figures that dart from tree to tree is also a common occurrence. The sound of voices on a wind and screams into the night have also been reported. The house itself is said to have the darkest energy in the area. In 1943, a little boy was playing in the barn with his father's buzzsaw when the belt came loose suddenly and struck him in the head, killing him instantly. In the 1960s, two brothers were out back having a heated argument over religion. One of the brothers was confronting the other about his choice to convert from Catholicism to Jehovah Witness. Somehow during this argument, the younger brother accidentally shot his older brother. But the younger brother did just get out of prison, so who knows if that was just an accident. Then we begin to see the first signs of enhanced paranormal activity. It all started in the late 60s when the Reese family bought the property. They decided that they were going to use this property as a type of community. I don't know what they mean by community. I don't know if that means it was kind of going to be one of those cultish kind of communities or if it was like a resort type, but it was the 60s, so, you know, who knows? Regardless of what it was going to be, once they started to build cabins and they dug in the ground to make a man-made pond is when things started to get crazy. It is a belief in the paranormal community that once you start a home renovation or you begin doing a big construction project, you disturb the land. This caused a chain reaction of events that still stump paranormal investigators to this day. So the home has already had some paranormal activity, but when the Reese family began construction, things really amped up. What happened to the Reese family is not well known, but they eventually called in the Warrens to come and investigate the property. The Warrens is a husband and wife team of paranormal investigators who are famous for going to extremely haunted homes and dealing with possession cases. Many movies have been made about them and some of the famous cases that they worked on. They showed up to the property and toured the home and grounds, but they left and the Reese family left the property shortly after their visit. No one knows if the activity on the land wasn't dark enough or active enough for the Warrens to bother with it, or if the curse made the task of helping the Reese family impossible, but the Warrens left and never came back. The Reese family kept ownership of the property, but moved out shortly after the Warrens visited, and then they began to run out the home. The first family to arrive was the Dandy family. The family consisted of Phil and Claire Dandy and their four children, Laura, Mike, Mary, and Beth. They moved into what the family thought was the perfect dream home in the early 70s, but things quickly got strange. The strange turn of events began with phone calls. The family would get a phone call at all hours of the night, and when they would pick up the receiver, there would be strange whispering and crackling sounds on the other end, and sometimes there would be nothing but an eerie silence. Then the whole family started to hear chanting and drumming and whispers coming from outside the home in the woods. The family also began to wake up in the morning to find strange burn marks on their bodies. Also, full-bodied apparitions of a woman in white was seen inside and outside the home. Then a more disturbing being started to show its presence inside the home. The family would go on to describe it as a half-human, half-cow hybrid that would stalk them inside the house. Many people today think that this was a demonic entity showing itself. 
On one account, two bricks from an exposed interior wall somehow managed to dislodge themselves, and they were found in the crawl space underneath the home. Phil Dandy told a terrifying story. According to him, he was sitting in the living room at night relaxing after a full day of work, and he looked outside of the living room window to find a whole group of faces staring back at him. He jumped up thinking there were trespassers outside, and he ran out to confront them, and when he opened the door, there was no one outside. He looked back into the living room through the same window he had just looked out of and he saw the, all the same faces staring back at him, this time from inside the house. That creeps me out. Ugh, that gives me the chills. I just totally got the chills reading that. Things in the house also started to get violent. A lamp was thrown across the room at one of their daughters and Phil started to have amnesia. He would forget big chunks of his day and this has been known to be a sign of possession according to demonologists. At this same time, their daughter Laura started to have problems with the spirits and they would attack her often and for a time it was believed that she too was possessed, but she was able to break free from it and then they left her alone. Between the poltergeist activity, amnesia, and possessions, the family had finally had enough and they asked a priest to come in to perform an exorcism on the home. Father Alfrons from St. Bonaventure University came in to help the family out. He had the family gather in the living room and during his exorcism, the house went crazy. According to the family, while the exorcism was happening, lights flickered, the floor shook, loud banging and knocking sounds were heard from within the walls, and a window broke out from the inside out. Clara Dandy would go on to describe it as the house was screaming. After the exorcism, things calmed down for a few days, but it then picked back up and the priest had to come back in, but this time it did not help at all. If anything, it made it worse. The family had had enough of the activity and moved out in 1974. Shortly after this, Phil and Carl's daughter Beth ended up committing suicide. No one knows if Beth did it because of the horrors that she experienced within the home. After the Dandy family moved out, the Reese family had a hard time finding renters. One family did not last two weeks in the home and even refused to come back to collect all their things, and they told the owners to just sell it all. This next part I believe is true, but I couldn't find 100% if it's real or not, but apparently in the late 80s, an elderly couple with the husband's name being Joe and the wife's name was Flo purchased the home and moved in knowing and not caring about its dark history. Apparently, they both made a deal with whatever spirits were lingering within the home, saying, if you leave us alone, we won't bother you, and it seemed to have worked. They lived in the home, seeing a few ghosts, but nothing really ever bothered them. Once Flo was woken up in the middle of the night to a man at the foot of her bed, he was dressed in a blue jeans and a flannel shirt, and he had a rifle. Flo asked him, what are you doing here? And the man apparently looked up at her saying, I don't know, before fading away in front of her eyes. After Joe and Flo passed away, the home was abandoned until a man named Bill bought it in the late 90s. He said he wanted to use it for paranormal research, but he soon wanted nothing to do with it and wanted to demolish it. In 2001, a paranormal researcher named Dan Claus bought the home and saved it from being torn down. Dan's girlfriend apparently asked Bill why he had suddenly wanted to get rid of the home, and Bill replied, that place is evil and I want nothing to do with it. 
Dan has slowly been fixing up the home ever since, and he had left things in the home as a sort of paranormal playground. Lots of trigger objects and things that can be easily moved around for documented paranormal activity. And what I mean by that is, like, things like a chessboard that a researcher could put a camera on to see if anything moves or if they could ask an entity to move a piece, things like that. This home is thought of as a paranormal research facility of sorts, so it's only experienced paranormal investigator teams that are allowed inside. Sadly, this place has been broken into a few times and it had been vandalized with pentagrams and other worshipping type objects had been left in the home. Paranormal Lockdown was able to go and do a two-night investigation, and when they took their tour, they found out that in one of the upstairs bedrooms, there were flies that no matter what Dan did, he could not get rid of them. This is supposedly a sign of demonic energy. In theory, if a demonic energy is present, it likes to play with people's minds, makes you think you're seeing things or hearing things, and it likes to divide groups, making them turn on one another until they, everyone in the group is mentally worn down so it can take over your body. While Nick and Katrina from Paranormal Lockdown were investigating the home, they spent a lot of time in the woods around the home and the property. And I have to admit, they are creepy. I love forests and woods, and I've played in them before and I grew up and playing out like a tomboy out in the woods but I normally don't get spooked but I gotta say even just from seeing it on camera something is weird about this place it just felt off to me and it wasn't the way Katrina and Nick were acting it was just weird according to the show and Dan the owner claims today from many paranormal investigators are people still see the woman in white there have been sightings of a tribal leader with blue feathered headdress walking through the woods ghosts from this property have been known to follow people home shadow figures have been seen inside the home as well as outside and they are seen frequently the owner dan thinks that the curse might actually be true because of how many spirits are around the property and he said that they all seem lost angry and confused as if you know they can't move on there is also reports of a ghost car that has been seen driving up the road to the house at night and then it vanishes when it pulls into the driveway. It also seems that people are drawn to the house even when no one knows about it. There have been stories of people driving on the main road to have their car die suddenly, leaving the owner to have to go to the house to ask for help. Of course, now with cell phones, maybe that doesn't happen as much as it used to. Lots of car accidents have also been reported on this road right in front of the home as well. While Nick and Katrina were doing their investigation, they got a lot of EVPs, and a lot of them were of a woman. While Katrina was in the basement, she got an EVP of the woman asking, where's Nick, who was upstairs at the time. And in the session, she also got a get out from the woman as well. And while they were staying the night in the home, they both felt really drained, but Nick kept on hearing and seeing things that Katrina either didn't or couldn't see. During the day, they both went out into the woods to try to find that hanging tree from the legend of that pregnant woman who was hung on the property. They found it and they asked some questions and did an EVP session right in front of the tree. After lots of silence, finally Katrina asked, is this place forbidden? And she got a woman answer saying, yes, it is. There have also been reports of people seeing a young boy playing in the woods by the pond. This area is now the pond, but it was once the location of the barn that had the accident with the buzzsaw. On the last night of the investigation, Katrina went out into the woods and Nick stayed inside the house within the room with the flies. He was asking for answers while Katrina was outside and asked any spirit to go to the home and let Nick know they were there by making a sound or say something. 
Meanwhile, Nick was in the home and started to hear knocking and dragging sounds from downstairs, and he felt so full of energy that he just kind of let it out in one big yell, and Katrina came back into the home, and Nick did not look right. His eyes were strange looking. It was a little creepy, but I don't know. (laughs) This is a TV show, and it could have all been for show, but his eyes really did look very bug-eyed and very different, and he did not look like himself, that's for sure. While Katrina and Nick were talking, they also got an EVP saying there is no heaven. Now, this could, of course, be a demonic entity saying that to mess with them, but it also could be the fact that if the spirits truly can't move on from this land and they're trapped there, to them, there might actually be no heaven, so they might actually feel that way. After this investigation, Nick was allegedly followed home by something, and if you remember in the Black Monk episode that I did earlier, the entity drew him back to the Hinsdale house, and then he got an EVP saying Pontefract, and that is what led him and Katrina to go to the investigation of the Black Monk house. If any of this is true, it does bring up the strange thought that this is all connected. The paranormal world seems to remember who visits, and it seems to like to pick who to mess with and who to just completely ignore. Whatever you believe, the strange things that happen at the Hinsdale house are interesting, and because personally I'm a super sensitive kind of a person, you could not pay me enough money to go anywhere near that property. guys all enjoyed this quick bonus episode of the Hinsdale House. I will be back with a brand new episode October 1st covering the Lizzie Borden House and the Lizzie Borden Axe murders. This will be my first podcast where I dive into a actual true crime topic so I am very excited for this episode. My second episode will be the Lollery Mansion down in New Orleans and then we'll be rounding it all off by going over to Ireland to discuss the terrifying Loftus Hall. I can't wait to share these with you. I hope that you guys have a great next couple of weeks. I'll see you guys back here real soon on October 1st. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. (laughs) 